Very cool. Awesome, Dad. It's so. recording. Nice. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> we don't have Mitch today. That's okay. It's just us. Mitch is away. Nice. So we try to keep these like 30, 45 minutes because the first one that we did was like an hour and a half. You know what's funny is I literally just started a timer on my Excellent. my phone to kind of keep us on track. This also does have a timer on it. So awesome. We should, again. should I move the gain up a little bit? Um, you had an idea for this. Topic. I did. What was your idea? I did. People of the floor, kind of like Children of the Corn, like a little take <laughs> on like the horror horror film. People of the floor, because where I work, and well, obviously where everybody works, but like fall victims, gravity is super strong, and we are can't constant, fight it. Can't fight it, no matter what you do, it's going to bring you down. And we go to fall victims, lift assists, whatever it is, all the time. Mm-hmm. And I hate them. Absolutely. Yes, hate them. they're very. Not exciting. Yeah, I would say the vast majority are BLS, like very simple yeah. BLS, like either minor, minor injuries or like lift assist only and maybe a refusal. Mm-hmm. So usually not exciting, but the problem with doing something a lot and not having significant injuries or significant patients is you get into a habit of under-evaluating or not yeah. fully evaluating or not expecting. Almost like the normalization of deviance. Like, yeah. It, yeah, this patient fell and hit their head, but like the last 70 million patients who have fallen and hit their head I've left here, and so we think everything's just going to be fine. Absolutely. And sometimes it's not. It Definitely, these patients can definitely catch you by surprise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like going to your you know patient that's in labor. For the most part, you go to them all the time and they never give birth, but there's always that one time where they're mm-hmm. crowning and uh-oh. You have so, to actually be a paramedic. You're crazy. <laughs> Gotta catch. Gotta like catch. Every once in a while. So anyway, yeah. So I always like to talk about, like, especially, like, the students who fall, like, fall victims. Like I said, I hate going to them because most of the times they're not anything substantial. Yeah. It's, it's, so anyway, I start off all my fall victims the same. And I don't care what hurts initially. I want to figure out what happened to get here, right? How did we end up here? Like, was cut it to, ball? yeah. Did they pass out? Correct. Changes the game. If they completely pass. game changer, and it goes from a BLS call to an ALS call really quickly. Mm-hmm. So, what transpired to get you here? Why are we on the floor? Why are we here? Right. So, did you get dizzy? Did you get lightheaded? Um, have you been feeling dizzy? Have you been feeling short of breath when you move around? Mm-hmm. All those things where if that triggers something, now we immediately go into an ALS assessment where I'm starting to get concerned about things that could kill you, right? So I always base my assessments off of what's going to kill you first, Mm -hmm. and then I kind of work my way away from there, right? So um, like sometimes we talk about like people just slide out of bed, they were trying to put their socks on, and they Mm -hmm. bent over, and they slid out, or um, their knee gave way and, and always gives like way. Eight hundred year old spouse can't get them off the floor. Yeah, and they've tried and they've tried and they just can't do it. So we mm-hmm. we end up going there, right? But um, I think the first step is figuring out if it's a medical patient or a trauma patient. Mm-hmm. Like if you passed out and now your arm hurts, I really don't care about your arm hurting. I care that you passed out and like why did you pass out, right? So did you have a heart attack? You know, some kind of arrhythmia, like mm-hmm. we said, and then kind of figure that out. Um, but I think that's like a solid starting point mm-hmm. is which way are we going with this mm-hmm. medical patient, trauma patient, and then, then go from there. Cause mm-hmm. if it's a trauma patient, most likely it's going to be BLS cause fall from standing, fall from chair, fall from bed, 
all for the most part going to be BLS. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about in you know they harp on patients on blood thinners, and we were just talking about this mm-hmm. previously as to you know do you just because somebody's not a blood thinner do you ALS them? Are you asking me? Yeah, totally. I want to say on the side of yes, mostly because I feel like I'm in a different position than you because if it's not ALS, you might not be going to the hospital. Totally. But I am on the ambulance, so I am going to the hospital either way. So if there is any, like, scent of something that could be ALS, I'll usually just take it just because I'm going to be in the ambulance anyway. Um, But does that mean you're going to put them on a monitor or put an IV in them? Probably not. Yeah. I'm just going to stare at them in an ALS way. That's it. No ALS (laughs) interventions will be done necessarily. (laughs) If they seize, I will do something about it. Yeah, I know. But I mean, realistically, like, you know, you use your patient assessment. Mm -hmm. And obviously that adds like a line of could this patient be have a higher suspicion of having something, you know, underlying going on? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So same as your patients that have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, family history of heart, and they're having chest pain, like mm-hmm. that's gonna be a higher index of suspicion for something cardiac related, mm-hmm. just as we would have, you know, somebody who has fallen, hit their head, um, there's a higher suspicion that they might have uh, some kind of subdural hematoma, subdural mm-hmm. hemorrhage, something along those lines. I feel like some, I mean, around here, we don't really have a specific protocol that says we have to transport or not, but some departments, might have a specific like if they fell and they're on thinners and they hit their head you have to transport them or you have to transport them to a trauma center or something like that yeah so i think there is at some point there was a criteria where they're supposed to be scanned if they're on thinners and they had a head strike Mm -hmm. within a certain amount of time like no matter what the head strike was Mm -hmm. even if you have you know you do your whole decap btls there's no hematoma there's no swelling there's no tenderness um, they're still supposed to get scanned. I don't know how true that is anymore, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about before, I was told, I don't know, years and years ago that um, statistically speaking, one out of 10 patients that are on a blood thinner that have a head strike um, would have a bleed. Mm-hmm. But we just tried to find that research and we could not track any of that down. Yeah, we didn't really find a specific number about like, People who are on thinners or people who are not on thinners. What was this one that we found? Risk of intracranial hemorrhage and ground level fall with antiplatelet or anticoagulant agents. Um, and I think this one was more comparing antiplatelets and anticoagulants. And it really showed that there wasn't a significant difference. So like aspirin versus like yeah. Coumadin or something like that. There really isn't a difference. I've never treated aspirin as a... As Me neither. A thinner, Me you know, as some... some you know, sometimes you go in and the nurse is like, oh, well, they're on aspirin, they're on a thinner. And aspirin but they're is not. Aspirin's not, not true, a thinner. I've true not. anticoagulants inhibit some part of the clotting cascade, yep. which aspirin does not. It just prevents the formation of thromboxin A2, which prevents the platelets from clumping together. But like actual, like warfarin is an, anti, an antagonist to vitamin K. So like that actually inhibits the entire clotting cascade. So like that's a true blood thinner when yep. we think of blood thinners. So, I mean, going back to it, though, like, I I use my patient assessment. Like, when they hit their head, did they have a loss of consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. Is this their normal mental status? And a lot of the times we're with, dealing with elderly patients who have, like, dementia, maybe al- a Alzheimer's. Baseline yeah, a sketchy baseline. So, um, asking family members or asking, you know, 
facility staff if they're at a, a you know skilled nursing facility, assisted living facility, uh, something along those lines. Is this their baseline? Like, is this how they normally are? Is anything different? Oh, this is how they act all the time. All right, I have less of a suspicion, and they just want to get mm-hmm. evaluated because they had an. A lot of time, fall. it's their protocol too. If they fall at any point, yeah, they have to go or something like that. But I'm still going to palpate the patient's head, do a C, you know palpate C spine mm-hmm. and stuff like that. See if they flinch. See if they pull away, and uh, try to see if if there's any signs that they did really injure something or had some kind of significant fall. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the times they can't tell us. Um, for themselves, but I usually use that as a means to decide whether or not this patient is going to be ALS or not. Mm-hmm. You know, like we talked about, like if I get a BLS crew and it's you know somebody with a head strike on thinners, like I might probably will not ride that in. Because mm-hmm. um, for the most part, I mean, really, what are we gonna? What's gonna be the besides staring <laughs> at them in an ALS way? Besides staring <laughs> at them in an ALS way, like what are we? What are we accomplishing? Like and. Yeah. It's just not, there's nothing I'm going to do. Yeah. So. What do you think about refusals of people who fell and hit their head in our own thinners? I mean, it's a good question. Obviously, refusals are always going to be, my refusals are longer than my transport paper mm-hmm. paperwork, so I would rather just transport them, mm-hmm. especially if there's any big question. Um, they're home alone. If the, Oh, my God. If they're home alone. It, you're just Get asking. In. You're for, going. Yeah. It's just, and, you know, I'm always, I think everybody needs to make their own decision and should be an mm-hmm. informed decision. And, you know, obviously we don't have our x-ray vision. We don't, mm-hmm. we can't scan them. You know, I, I tell people I've been wrong. Anytime I take a refusal, I tell people I've been wrong before I'll be wrong again. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, uh, I don't bet with people's lives, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I don't want somebody to go to the hospital if they don't need to go. Right. You know, and like say it's now some like old man who fell and he is perfectly with it and he seems fine. But like his wife is demented and elderly and can't be home by herself. And now you want to take him, but he can't leave her by himself by herself. But she can't really take care of him. And it, it goes down a whole rabbit hole. I mean, those those scenarios and stuff like that are tough. It's like. You know, somebody smokes pot and something, you know, it's laced with something mm-hmm. and now you have to Narcan them and they have a kid at home and there's a friend there who smoked the same thing, but is conscious yeah. alert and oriented right now. And they want to take everybody kid, to go yeah. somewhere else. Like, is that safe? Like, mm-hmm. probably, I don't think so. But like legally, where do you, where do you stand? I think that's yeah. a whole different discussion mm-hmm. just because it's, it's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. But, um, so anyway, what's next on your little outline? So on my outline, <laughs> uh, things that can trip you up. Ooh, you mean like documentation wise, assessment wise? I think everything. So things that you don't assess that you don't think are important, but actually might be. That could be a very long conversation. <laughs> That's absolutely like. When you go into it, like one, like we were just talking about, kind of, are they safe at home? Yeah. Like, how often do they fall and what mm-hmm. happens when they fall? Um, you know, do they have the care that they need, whether it be, mm-hmm. you know, family or services that come in and how often does that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it, you know, just everything else that goes along with it. So, mm-hmm. 
more like your sicker patients that maybe now your ALS patients who've been on the floor for, you know, prolonged downtimes mm-hmm. bring on like a whole different headache of their own. Mm-hmm. What kind of floor were they on? Was it a rug? Was it a hardwood floor? Was it cold? Was it, exactly. Yeah. Do they have heat in the house? Like what was the last thing you remember, whether watching, you know, what did you see on the TV when mm-hmm. you fell? Trying to figure out how long they've been down. So, you know, was it Jeopardy, which always comes on at seven o'clock? Was it, you know, something along those lines mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how long they've been down for? But then things that go along with prolonged downtime, which we were kind of just talking about before, like, and I remember this when I was precepting, you know, a while ago, is I had this woman who was on the bathroom floor for a long time because her husband, who was her primary caretaker, died suddenly and was upstairs and she was left in the bathroom Uh for yeah for days oh my god so she was hypothermic and she was not taken care of until Mm -hmm. um somebody hadn't seen her so i what a horrifying house to walk into (laughs) not awesome so yeah precepting i 12 the dude upstairs wow yeah so 12 is i pronounced the guy upstairs Mm -hmm. And then I went downstairs and took care of this woman who was, um, I think she had MS, I think was her underlying oh, medical problem. Yeah. She must have been in so much pain. I couldn't imagine being on a bathroom floor for as long as she was, was, was great and unable to talk. Like, and again, who knows? I, I it was, I want to say it was days. It was at least two days, yeah. you know, she'd been in there, um, which must've been awful. But then, you know, going down, trying to take care of her and warm her up and stuff like that. Like she was really constricted, couldn't get access mm-hmm. on her. And it was one of those things where we came to, like, blood sugar wasn't on my mind. Checked her blood sugar, and it was, like, 38. Should be higher. Should should be higher than 38. 38 is pretty bad. And, again, like, you think, like, she's been hypothermic. She's been shivering. She yeah. hasn't been eating. So um, many things that didn't cause her to get to where she was but have now become problems. Like, yeah. her temperature and her blood sugar and all the... All these underlying All the things, things that, that have been building to, up. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, you go in and you see these people and you think it could be a simple call and all of a sudden it becomes really complex. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to talk about rhabdo? <laughs> I'll let you talk more about rhabdo, but we can talk about, like, I just had the guy that was down for, and you know what's funny you is had, if you... Yeah, you had a I had a guy, yeah, which did. totally didn't even come into my mind. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, like, a lot of what... Um, a lot of doctors that talk about traumatic uh, rhabdomyolysis say it could take days of being, you know, down for, mm-hmm. for it to kind of kick in. Um, this person had a 12-hour downtime, I want to say. 12 to 14 hours was, was on a hardwood floor for it. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, didn't really – wasn't didn't cross my mind. Uh, found out afterwards through, through the hospital um, that that's what was going on. But, again, just another thing that can happen. Yeah. And – kind of crazy crazy i had a guy a couple years ago it was like right before christmas and i was when i was working madison and we were sent to guilford mutual aid and whenever i go to guilford mutual aid or went to guilford mutual aid from madison it was always horrible and it came in as unresponsive and we got there and one of the officers was like he's not unresponsive but he has been down like they found him down in his apartment no one had seen him for a few days and they're bringing him out now but he's not unresponsive and like the rhabdo never came into my brain either because I didn't see him. Like I didn't see the apartment, but I, apparently he had like all this stuff on top of him. Like it was like near border conditions and I should have gone up and looked, but I just saw him coming down and he ended up, the report ended up saying he had a cerebral infarction and end STEMI and 
um, a pneumothorax or something like that. But I think he definitely had a little bit of rhabdo underlying as well because he, again, was hypoglycemic, just like your lady in the bathroom. And I gave him D10 and his sugar went down, which I have never understood to this day. I don't know if I will ever understand it, (laughs) but... And I, but I thought that was his problem, and I thought the D10 would fix it, and then it didn't. But his mental status never really improved. He was, like, super altered. He was hypoxic. Like, it was a whole bunch of different things were going on with him. But Yeah. Um, so I think pre-hospitally, we're really never going to know if somebody's in traumatic rap, Probably though. not. You know, it's just... Unless we physically ha- like have them on the monitor and we can see them becoming, like, hyperkalemic or something like that, which... Yeah. I guess if we really suspect it, we should throw them on it before, like throw them on the four lead beforehand or establish access beforehand at least or something like that just to be prepared. It's definitely, it should be in your, I guess it should be in your thought process. But like, even if you look at like initial signs and symptoms of like muscle weakness, tightness, pain upon palpation, things Mm -hmm. like that, things that could, would kind of already be with somebody who's either fallen or in a traumatic scenario, like that's not automatically going to be like, oh, you know, could it be a broken arm? Would be my, you know, if I'm palpating somebody's arm and they have pain when I touch it, my first thing is going to be like, oh, they have right arm pain, could be fractured, could be break kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's no, especially if there's no um, deformity or anything like that, it's not going to be like, oh, this patient's in rhabdo. Mm-hmm. Has he just been lying on his butt and it's sore now? Is like, is that it? Yeah, exactly. Let's get you off the hardwood floor and see if that makes a difference kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, it's just, again, I think like you said, unless you see the EKG changes happening in front of you, because like even if you if you start looking at the at the monitor, right, and they have these wide complexes and stuff like that, and what are you gonna think? Wide complexes? Yeah. Something ventricular would probably be the first thing. Absolutely, I yeah. Think since my brain. Um, and I am almost worried that people would get to focus on that and start, start looking away the from the patient yeah when it's actually like just a, a skosh of hyper k or rhabdo or something yeah like start having like the pts and stuff like that yeah. um i mean I'm, I'm just trying to think right now like i i might even go down the line of like you know how did you get there especially like if it's not somebody who's in like a car accident right mm-hmm. and you have somebody that's been on the floor like and you have somebody maybe they're altered a little bit and they you're looking at the monitor, seeing these wide complexes and things like that. Like, was it the VTAC that called, like, caused it? Is this VTAC that caused mm-hmm. the person to fall kind of thing, looking at the vital signs? Like, it's just a, it's a weird road. Which came first? Which, exactly. And even though it's not VTAC. Or it is VTAC That's and they just fell the- and they're dehydrated or whatever and now they're actually in VTAC, but... Crazy. That's a whole nother. Right? I mean, there's so many times, and, and I think a lot of the times we deal with this with instructors, because we can go down all these roads as to, like, which came first, what mm-hmm. happened, patient-specific kind of thing. And, like, there's not always going to be a black-and-white answer for this. Like, I don't think there ever is. No, never. And we talk about this with, like, um, I love talking about MCIs, because you mm-hmm. look at any MCI review, and there's no... There's no black and white answer, right? So like, there's no, I don't think anybody's gonna come back and be like, we crushed it because sometimes you just have to see the patient, sometimes you have to experience it. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you actually have to get the feedback from the hospital too as to what was actually going on with the patient. 
Did we want to go into like the pathophys of rhabdo or no? Do you want to? I don't really know how deep I could get. Um, but like the quick, the quick version, we'll say, since this is kind of geared towards the students, when you have compression on like any area of your body, any kind of like hypoperfusion that's like causing some part of your body to not be perfused as well. Like the cells in that part of your body are still doing respiration. Like they're still producing the byproducts of cellular respiration. So if you're not getting blood flow to and from that part of the body, it's going to build up. And then like say someone's been on the floor and all of those byproducts have been building up and like getting stuck in whatever part of the body is compressed. And then you take them off the floor yeah. release that pressure then all of those byproducts including potassium get released into the body yeah. potassium is the most dangerous and can cause hyperkalemia which we treat with calcium and sometimes bicarb but calcium calcium, would be calcium. the first thing yeah yes. um, the hyper k is definitely going to be the the biggest thing with rhabdo yeah. you know again that's why i would say if you saw somebody with that started having those wide complexes with like the peak t's like that would be like mm -hmm. probably your biggest thing but like going to the whole crush you know, crush syndrome and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but again, you don't see, I guess you don't see like prolonged extrications and stuff like that, especially in this Generally area. Generally, no, yeah. Only because like there's tons of resources, there's really good equipment mm -hmm. where maybe out in like more rural areas of the country where it, it takes, might be more of a concern. Yeah, maybe. less staffing, longer, longer response times, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, not as, you know, less money that gets put into equipment. So mm -hmm. you're not gonna have the quick extrication times yeah. in, in every every part of the country. But it's definitely, I mean, it's kind of crazy, I guess. You take these simple calls and sometimes they become oh. so complex and sometimes you don't even know they're complex. Yeah. Which is kind of scary. Like my week before Christmas guy, whose sugar, it went, he went, sugar went from like 50 to like 40. Yeah. And I out loud in the back, I was by myself because I figured someone offered to come with me and we saw, I saw the sugar was like 50 easy, something and I was fix. like, oh, yeah, yeah, a bag yeah. of D10, I'll fix that right now. Yeah. I'm good. I'm about to be a hero. <laughs> Step aside. And, then, and that, well, so he was like hypoxic in the eighties and then, so yeah. we put him on an hour breather, it came up and then we gave him the D10. I was like, was his, I'm good. What was his temperature? I don't remember. Um, but then I went to take a repeat sugar when the D10 finis finished and his fingers were cyanotic. I was like, oh no. <laughs> Blind with pain, Someone right? <laughs> should do something about it. Wow. So, he died know. like a week later. Ew. He had a little bit of everything. Sometimes that'll happen. It's like the I went for the lift assist for the 96 year old guy. God bless him. And uh, he was talking to me and said, I'm fine. I just need help off off the floor. And he had like a little, it was like a little bench and next to like a shoe puller. Like it had a shoe puller kind mm -hmm. of thing. And the night before, he must have been taking off his shoes and trying to get into bed. And he fell over and was kind of tangled up in this like little bench shoe kind of thing. And so he'd been there on his bedroom carpeted floor probably for almost, I would say 18 to 24 hours by the time um somebody came and, mm -hmm. and found him and uh so he's talking to me no i'm fine i just you know want to get in bed kind of thing and uh pick him up put him in bed and he looks awful 
Like, straight up terrible. Is this the one who coded? Like, Yeah, he died. <laughs> he died. So this dude, like, I'm like, are you sure you're okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. Cut two. Not fine. Died right there in like front of on- me. <laughs> had a DNR, though. And I checked with the person who was right there with him, had power of attorney, and his daughter was on the phone. I'm like, just to make sure you guys are, are good with this, like, he's probably he's probably going to die. I just want to make sure your DNR is, is still good. And they're like, yeah. I mean, the guy was, you know, God bless 96. him, 96 years old, living at home alone. You know, he had some people come and check on him and stuff like that. And um, they're like, nope, yeah. So I ended That's up. That's how I want to go, just at home. <laughs> I ended up DNR. Yeah, no one do anything. I ended up picking this guy up off the floor off of a priority two lift assist, and then I twelve <laughs> him. I, I pronounced him dead. Um, oh my god! Yeah. Even dispatch called me and was like, "What happened? <laughs> like, how did that go so bad?" But that's so crazy. Yeah. Oh, sad. I mean, Even you're the last right, but... thing you saw. <laughs> I guess that is kind of sad, right? <laughs> Should have, should have been something better. Like the last thing he said was, "No, I'm fine." Oh my god! But you know, he was a, he was a piece. Okay. Yeah, definitely. His house was on sale like a week week later, but it was a COVID market, so got to capitalize. That's a wild story. Yeah. May he rest in peace. Right? <laughs> do you ever do you ever like try to be cognizant of like what you tell people like? So we're talking about like he's 96, lives at home alone, like really, really awesome scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I could be in the his shoes, case. sign me up for 96 yeah. if I could be like that guy, like was just a good 96. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you're, you you know, although it's sad, it's always sad to lose a loved one. It's always, you know, it's always kind of sad to tell people that, you know, their loved one has died. Mm-hmm. But do you ever find yourself like there's always those cases where you're kind of like you justify it in your head and be like, he was a good 96 like that's that's yeah, cool definitely and you're just like ah it's all good you know <laughs> like have a great day mm-hmm. this one I don't time, know if I've ever said have a great day <laughs> so this one time <laughs> I pronounced this woman and she was again like a 95 year old woman and she died in a recliner at home lived at home alone wasn't feeling good was supposed to go on a bus trip to New York City Aww. with her church Aww. and didn't feel feel good so she stayed home and family found her later she had died in her recliner. Like, I do like when I pronounce people like that, I do try to say like this is a very peaceful way to like the like the old man who like died in his sleep and his wife just woke up and he was dead, like that's such a nice way to go. I totally do, like I do tell people kind that. Of like it's it's cool. Yeah. So this with that woman though. I was working a lot in that period of time. Like, what did you say to her? So they were like, she was supposed to go to the doctor on Friday, and I was like, well, I guess you can cancel it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, again, just not like all there. Like, I'm like, I'm sorry for your loss. Like, she was, you know, very dead. She was, but she was like 95, like perfect. She was supposed to go on, a, like, she was still doing things. She was getting out there. So it was like, it was. I'm sad for your loss, but at the same time, she had what a great life. You know, what an awesome life. And so I was kind of checked out. <laughs> totally on me but like you also have to be cognizant of what she said because i'm like wow i just told these people that they can cancel their dead woman's appointment because she's obviously not going to need it anymore like she's no longer in need of the doctor services so that's funny yeah that's funny i, I don't you, got, think you, got, you gotta learn from these things because i'm like wow i really need to not say you go on vacation like, like 
so funny. But kind of long circle back to the fall victims, right? That kind of uh, that wasn't on any of the planning sheets. Couple good, that's okay. Who doesn't love a good story, though, right? It's pretty much what you messed around. I don't think I heard that. I heard the story about the lift assist that turned into a twelve, but I did not hear that story. Yep, did that. Thank you. Anytime. (laughs) You live, you learn, right? But. Anyway, so yeah, I hate going to fall victims. <laughs> recapping, well, they're they're terrible. Do you have anything else on your? That was really it. I mean, for the most part, like I think, again, they're mostly BLS, and I think if you go back to like even like we talk about like pediatric patients, and like it's like seven percent of your calls are going to be pediatric, and then of that seven percent, like point three yeah. are actually sick. So you kind of get in this habit of under treating or under evaluating, mm-hmm. and I think you need to just fully assess and I think it starts with is it a medical or is it a trauma and then kind of going down the path of you know what's best for the patient can they stay home Mm -hmm. should they stay home Mm -hmm. you know because sometimes it's not necessarily even if you want them if they're consular oriented they still are able to make their own decisions it's crazy very good I feel like you had more how to assess? I hate going to them. No, that's pretty much. Talked about hypothermia, blood sugar. Yeah. Everyday occurrence. Every day. Fall victims and UTIs. Every day, all day. And sometimes the UTI contributes to the fall. Exactly. All right. Anything else? It's like Jiminy Cricket. Let your conscience be your guide, but let your nose be your guide if the UTI was the cause. Ugh, yucky. All right, 30, I think 30 minutes is good. Was that what it was? Yeah. Perfect. Very solid. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Ryan. It's nice. We can. It's fun. Do another one, like right after this, if you want. Sure. What do you want to talk about? I have a list. I have a couple things too. Okay. Well, I guess we'll end this one. Cool. Thank you for listening, everybody.